Hey, everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code stuff and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Jerry's doing funny voices all of a sudden. Yes. She's like, eh, we're eight years into this gig. I'm going to start doing impressions. I know. <laughs> I don't know if it's an impression. It's more just a silly, silly, dumb voice. Maybe she's taking a stand-up class or an improv class. Are you taking an improv class? Jerry says yes. yes. <laughs> she keeps going and seeing. She's taking, it's not a comedy improv class, so it's a business improv class just to make her sharper in meanings. Yeah. You know? And they have gotten much more enjoyable these yeah, days. Yeah, and shorter. Yeah. Her PowerPoint presentations are like one-third jokes now. Yeah, but our uh, equipment rental has gone up uh, purchases because she drops the mic a little too hard. Yeah. Just keep replacing those mics. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chuck. Yeah. Everybody knows about the pyramids, Great Pyramids at Giza. Yeah. Turns out there's pyramids all over the world. Sure. And there's a... Uh, a distinct thread on the internet that suggests that all these pyramids are connected in Mesoamerica, China, Egypt, Memphis, Greece. Memphis is in Egypt. No. Not Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, Memphis, Tennessee. Is there a... Well, it's one of these new pyramids. Oh, gotcha. A neo-pyramid. Yeah, it's a basketball coliseum. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. The pyramid. Sure. What is that, a mud island or something? No. Or is that a different town? The Mud Island is in Memphis. Well, the, the, the idea is that all of these cultures, ancient mm. cultures, were visited by the same aliens that said, build some pyramids. Yeah. Here's how to do it. We'll help you out. And, um, that's just almost certainly not true. Yeah. I'm, I feel safe in saying, as much as I like to believe in kooky things, I don't believe that the aliens built the pyramids. I don't believe that either. And one, there's a couple of uh, good arguments against it. For for one, it really diminishes the incredible skill sure. of the ancient engineers who came up with this and the workers who constructed them. Yeah, the it's planning, like, the architecture, the... Yeah, sure. Right. Surely they would need some advanced alien civilization to come down and tell <laughs> these dum-dums what to do. Yeah. And then another uh, point that I ran across that kind of explains against that is that if you, I think it was on like Rational Wiki or something like that, they basically said, go out in your garden and try to build a waist-high mound of dirt. They said, you're going to just 
naturally, after even one or two attempts, start forming a pyramid, a mound shape. Yeah. And their whole jam, the whole idea is that <laughs> pyramids evolved independently just from trying to build a massive earthen structure. Yeah. And there you go. That's where pyramids evolved separately around the world. I was laughing because as soon as you said that, for some reason, I pictured you in your backyard, like covered in dirt, <laughs> just screaming like, Yumi, it's not going well. Right. Call somebody. Check the rhombus <laughs> off the list. Doesn't hold up. And Yumi's like on her phone like, what? You okay? <laughs> You're cute. <laughs> Keep it up, dummy. Uh, so a pyramid. Um, who wrote this one? Is this um, Craig Freudenrich, PhD? Yeah. He's written some good ones for us. I've learned to not second guess his articles. Sure. You know? Yeah, no, he's he's good. And you throw a PhD at the end of your name. <laughs> right. You're not allowed to second guess it after that point. No. I might just start doing that. <laughs> Nobody checks. You know? <laughs> Call me Dr. Chuck. Charles Bryant, PhD. Yeah. Um, all right. A pyramid uh, is a geometrical solid with a square base. Not necessarily. And four equilateral triangular sides, the most structurally stable shape for projects involving large amounts of stone or masonry. Exactly. It's a very, very stable shape. Yeah. And one thing I read that said, why did the Egyptians build pyramids? The very easy answer is is because that's what they knew how to build. Yeah, well, like yeah. they were good at it, and if they would have been better at building something else, they probably would have built something else. Well, yeah, I think also it took until um, the well about the twentieth century before we started using materials and develop materials that you you could build a very tall structure out of that didn't require you build a pyramid, right? Because you have to have a pyramid to build something very high when you're using something like stone blocks or something like that. Yeah, you keep setting stuff on top of each other and it's going to become structurally unsound right? unless it's all leaning in on each other. Yeah, and the the prevailing um, sentiment among archaeologists and anthropologists who study this kind of stuff is that pyramids are ultimately the natural um, conclusion mm-hmm. or evolution uh, from just earthen mounds yeah. that they think originally were the first stabs at what ultimately became pyramids, peaking basically at the Pyramid of Khufu in Giza. Yeah, and they, I think uh, there's also probably symbolic, uh, some symbolism going on with pyramids coming to a point toward the sky. Uh, in the case of, uh, let's say, Central America with the Mayans and the Aztecs, there were more religious temples, so that... that is okay for that. Right. And if in case of Egypt, with it being a tomb, mm-hmm. it also makes sense that it would point toward the heavens. Well, with Egypt specifically, they believe that the symbol, the symbolism behind a pyramid is that it symbolized this mound that the earth was created from in Egyptian cosmology. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so the other, a couple of other distinctions between Egyptian pyramids and let's say Central American is uh, Central American pyramids were generally wider, uh, but smaller, as I guess not as tall. Mm-hmm. And um, they built those over hundreds of years, whereas the Great Pyramids in uh, Egypt were built over the course of, they don't know for sure, but probably 20 or 30 years. So I, I think that that's true in some cases, but I ran across something that sh- that suggested that at um, Teotihuacan, um they would build pairs of pyramids like every 20 years. Oh, really? Yeah. So I don't know if that's the case across the board, but hmm. I, I think that it they weren't quite the the massive public works that 
Egyptian pyramids came to be. Yeah. Well, in Central America, they are also more uh, located in Aztec and Mayan cities, whereas the Egyptian pyramids originally were located away from cities. Right. And I remembered, I think it was just last year, that I saw that mind-blowing picture of the other side of the Great Pyramids of Egypt, how the city runs right up to the front door, basically. Uh And if you ever look at an aerial view, I'd just never seen one until like a year ago. I was like, wow. I just thought it was literally in the middle of nowhere. And there's a huge city just right in front of them. Yeah, and well, it it makes sense, though, if you think about it, especially if, say, in Mesoamerica, they were temples. Well, temples were for, like, public use. So you'd want it kind of convenient. If your pyramid was used as, like, a tomb... Humans traditionally like right there. bury their people slightly away from, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, the, their city center. True. So it makes sense that it would be on the outskirts of Cairo rather than in it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the first tombs in Egypt for the pharaohs were uh, just flat, boxy buildings. Uh, they called them mastabas, uh, which is Arabic for bench. And then they started building those on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Sort of in the, uh, you know, they get a little smaller, but they still remain flat on top. They didn't come to a point like a pyramid. Yeah, those were step pyramids. Yeah. Those were the first attempt at pyramids. And it's um, it's really strange because it, the whole thing was so, these pyramids are so, so old. Yeah. That you think of them just like being, you know, spanning thousands of years in the way of construction and planning and all this stuff and all the number of pharaohs that must have been involved. When actually... Um, Egypt's Egypt's pyramids were built within a 700-year period. Yeah. And basically just for like five pharaohs or so. Yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah. Or there was like not. a there's a burst and then nothing and then a, another little bit and then nothing after that. Right, because it was hard labor. It was hard. Yeah, it was hard getting labor there. It was hard um it was very expensive. Yeah, it's hard getting those rocks there. Right. And they also think remember I said that um Khufu's pyramid, the most famous pyramid in the world, the one at Giza, the tallest one. Yeah. Um, that that was the pinnacle of pyramid building. And they think that after that, as pyramids started to get smaller, did you like that? I did. Totally unintentional. I know. They think that as pyramids started to get smaller, it actually represents a shift in Egyptian thought where worship went from worshiping the pharaoh yeah. to worshiping Ra and other gods. Right. Um, so that the deification of the pharaoh diminished in size and you can see that reflected in the smaller size of the pyramids. literally yeah interesting that makes sense i never heard of that love it i love it too uh so the great pyramid of khufu which you just mentioned is the biggest at 146 meters high uh with a 230 meter square base mm-hmm. and oh just about six and a half tons of rock six and a half million tons Oh, what did I say? Just six and a half? <laughs> yeah, that would be, that'd just be a couple of the rocks. Yeah, I think the average size rocks were 2.5 tons each. Yeah. Yeah. The model was 6.5 tons. <laughs> right. Um, and these things have stood the test of time to say the least. Uh, they have worn away some, obviously, but look at them. They still look great. Yeah, and they were built like four to five thousand years ago. Yeah. What's really interesting that I didn't realize before was that when you saw these things, like in the first year that they were completed or right when they were completed, um, they were blinding white. Oh, really? Yeah. So you can see like the, the step, the steppy outline. Uh-huh. They used to be covered so that the, the sides and the pinnacle were 
smooth, totally smooth, yeah. covered in polished limestone. So it was like a gleaming white. Wow. Standing out against like the bright blue sky. Wish there were photographs of that. Yeah, it would have been pretty neat. But over time, that limestone is eroded away or being removed or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so now you can kind of see the substructure. But what we see is like the external sides of the pyramid yeah. were actually meant to be covered with polished limestone. Wow. Yeah. I bet that was something else. And uh, again, we're talking about like how spectacular a feat this, this was engineering wise. Things were built, you know, 4,500 years ago, let's say. Um, the Khufu pyramid, Khufu's pyramid, he was a pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Um, his pyramid was the tallest building in the world until the 20th century. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that just shows you that it was hard to build things tall. Yeah. It's not like people didn't want to. No, they wanted to. I think man is always, uh, striven, strove, stroded, strove, did, strid <laughs> to build things super tall, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to really <laughs> reach up to the heavens and. Punch God in the eye. Yeah, that's right. That's the that's why they want to build it tall. That's right. Uh, the very first stepped pyramid, uh, the Saqqara, was completed in 2620, and that was for the Pharaoh uh, Djoser, not Gozer. It seems pretty close to that. It's so close, I want it to be Gozer. He would have been almost contemporaneous to Gozer, I would guess. Yeah. Uh, so this one had six levels, and they tried... Um, they attempted another one, another six-level step pyramid, but that one didn't work out so well. So, like, you know, we're going to talk about a couple of that, you know, learning projects, basically. Yeah, and, you know, you've heard of the very famous um, Egyptian mathematician uh, Imhotep. Yeah. He's actually credited with coming up with the idea of taking those mastabas, uh-huh. those bench-like squat buildings, and stacking smaller and, and diminishing versions of themselves to create that first step pyramid, that first ziggurat. Uh-huh. That that was his idea. Oh. And, um, Who? Bubba Hotep? Uh, no, not that. That was a good movie. <laughs> Imhotep. Imhotep. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea, by the way, that Bruce Campbell was doing an Evil Dead TV show. Is it on? Yeah. It's coming like super soon. I have no idea how this escaped me. I had no idea either. Yeah, I'm pretty excited though. Ash is back. The only way it could be better is if it came on right after the Muppets. Yeah, the new be, Muppets that TV. That'd be show. pretty good night. That'd be like the, uh, A-Team, uh, Knight Rider pairing. Hmm. Was that, were those back to back? I think they might have been. I was never into Knight Rider, so I turned it off after A-Team. I wasn't a Soup's Knight Rider fan, but, um, all right, let's go with Love Boat, Fancy Island. Great. Maybe the best two-hour pairing in TV history. I never really watched uh, Fantasy Island. I loved Love Boat. I wasn't allowed to watch Fantasy Island. Oh, no? Well, no, it had the word fantasy in the title. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> we don't want that. Right. Um, no, I think it was it was dark, and it wasn't necessarily for kids. But now when I look back at it, it was so silly. Yes. Like, I can't believe I wasn't allowed to watch this. Well, sure. The whole premise of it is just fairly unbelievable. Yeah. But at Mike family, they were probably like, no, it's it's all about sex. Right. Everyone's fantasy will be about sex. And uh, Ricardo Montalban is clearly playing the devil. <laughs> yeah. With his little uh, smaller minion. Yes. Yeah. Tattoo. All right. Uh, where were we? Oh, we were talking about pyramids that didn't work out so well. Um, another one was the, I want to say medium, but it's the Meedum pyramid or the Meedum. 
I've also seen it spelled M-E-Y-D-U-M, which makes it easier. It's like Maidum. 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 Uh, that was constructed in 2570, mm-hmm. and it had seven steps uh, heading toward eight, but it collapsed. It collapsed. And then there's the Bent Pyramid, which didn't collapse, but they, they basically just miscalculated the angle. Yeah. And it started to, they basically had to change the angle after like the first third of it was built, or two thirds was built. Yeah. So first we have Dozier's, Gozer's, um, <laughs> step pyramid. Yeah. In Saqqara. That's the first real inkling of a, that pyramids are coming. That's right. After that, we had the, uh, Pharaoh, um, oh, what is his name? Sneferu. Yes. Sneferu. And Sneferu was the one who kept having really bad luck yeah. with pyramids. And it was because he was very ambitious, but he was also um, dealing with architects and engineers who were still figuring this out as they were going along. Yeah, sure. So he had to put up with the um, the one that collapsed. Yeah, the Maidum. Yep. And then he had to put up with the Bent Pyramid. Yeah, which still looks good. Did you look it up? Yeah, it's, it's great, but you can tell, like... It, it's not the way it's supposed to look. Not perfect. It, like, and I can imagine, like, a lot of engineers probably lost their lives with these <laughs> yeah. failed projects, you <laughs> sure. know? Because uh, Sneferu, or Sneferu, uh, he was fine with, like, capturing people and forcing them to work. And yeah. he did a lot of underhanded things to build himself a tomb. And the, the problem was, is failed attempt one, how many decades did that take? Yeah. Failed attempt two. How many decades did that take? Finally, and they're like really freaking out at this point. Like, if this guy dies and we don't have him a tomb, like, we're, like this is about as bad as it could get. Because yeah. remember, we haven't converted to worshiping Ra yet. This guy's our Ra, so we're displeasing our God, and we can see his expression. Oh yeah, his, his displeasure. Yeah, he's like, all I want is a straight pyramid, like everybody else. So finally, they hit on it. They they build him the red pyramid, and it is the first. Genuinely successful pyramid. And he died happy, I guess. Yeah. And I assume was entombed there. Yes. Um, I think so. I don't know. I didn't run across that. Yeah. Where he is. I bet he was. Otherwise, that would have been, I mean, what a waste of time. Well, that's the thing. With these pyramids, we still um, have very little understanding about some really important stuff. Ooh. Yeah. And one of the reasons why is because, say, like in Khufu's Pyramid, Khufu's never been found in there. They think it's Khufu's Pyramid, but th- his body's gone. Yeah. And I would guess it's probably the same thing for Sneferu. Man, he's got a tough name to say. Tomb Raiders, buddy. Yeah. Possibly. Probably. All right. Well, I think that uh, you seriously wet the listener's appetite with that tease. So let's uh, take a little break and come back and really get into Khufu. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But... You can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. 
Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. Hey there, everybody. Here's some bonus stuff you should know. This time it's about traveling to Orlando for business. Orlando has tons of places to host your conferences and meetings. Dr. Michael Edwards, CEO of Ocean Insight, said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when the day is done, you can kick off each evening at one of 46 Michelin-rated restaurants. What's not to love? So check out Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. All right, buddy. We might as well just go to the Big Daddy and break it down. Okay. Khufu. Break it down for me, fellas. K-H-U-F-U. Uh, also known as Cheops. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's what the Greeks called them. Huh. So that's why the pyramids also called the Pyramid of Cheops. I never heard that. Bam. <laughs> um, part of the Giza Pyramid Complex, and like we mentioned, the Big Daddy of them all. Uh, it was built for Sneferu's son, Khufu, mm-hmm. and the other two little guys were built for Khufu's son, uh, Khafre, and the grandson, uh, Menkaure. <laughs> I'll, I'll bet it's Menkaure. Menkaure. Yeah. I think usually those vowels are split mm-hmm. into like a different uh, part of the word. Menkaure. Am I making any sense? Sure. The you are to me, <laughs> but I know what you're trying to say. I speak Chuck. That's right. Uh, so it is, um, the largest and most elaborate and the one, you know, where we've learned the most from basically in its construction. Still has a lot of secrets, man. Oh, sure. A lot of secrets, including how they built it. Yeah. No idea. Well, let's talk about the insides first. Okay. Let's, let's, sorry. The guts. Yeah. Uh, first you have your primary burial chamber. That's the king's chamber. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, Two minutes, that's where the sarcophagus is. Body in there? No. Nope. What else is inside, Chuck? Um, hieroglyphics that say, tell stories of uh, life at that time. <laughs> right. You know, like little TV shows on the wall. Yep. Um, the queen's chamber, a little smaller, but not for the queen. Is that right? That's right. They call that a misnomer. Yeah. Um, apparently, people who stumbled upon it or entered it years and years on after the pharaonic dynasties had died out mm-hmm. um, misinterpreted it and that when they were building this they were worried that Khufu was going to die so some of the first things they did were building burial chambers and then as he lived and the pyramid kept going under construction they built a newer better burial chamber Yeah, and so there's ultimately three burial chambers and he's in the king's chamber, supposedly. That's where his sarcophagus is. That's right. Uh, you have weight-relieving chambers. Uh, these are above the king's chambers, and they are structural, um, basically to distribute weight and to keep everything from collapsing in on the king. Yeah. Because that would be bad, too. Yeah, they're like these long slabs, 
And then there's a gable. So yep. there's like long rectangular slabs. I think uh, there's four or five of them maybe. Isn't it a wooden gable? Is it wooden? I thought it was rock. Oh, is it rock? And the whole thing is, is like all that pressure that's pushing down toward the center of the triangle. Yeah. It takes it and just kind of deflects it outward away from that hole in the inside the the um the pyramid. A feat of engineering. Yeah. Um, the gallery is a big passageway with a, a vaulted ceiling. Um, do you understand what the corbelled ceiling is? Yeah. So you know, like if you have a like the, a breakfast bar. Those yeah. two things that come out and hold it up, yeah, those are corbels. Okay. So they had these things that are like corbels going up, and basically it says here that it forms like a primitive arch. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, you have passageways connecting everything because uh, you have to get around. Uh, you have an air shaft where they think the uh, the spirit of those entombed there would rise through to the heavens. Mm-hmm. I guess the idea is you don't want to fully enclose a... Uh, a tomb or a pyramid. Yeah. Just got to let the soul out. Sure. Let it creep out. Uh, what else? Uh, well, of course, the the exterior rocks that have eroded away. Sure. And apparently the reason why we're quite sure that all of these things were lined with limestone rocks is because Khafre's uh, tomb, uh, Sneferu's, Sneferu's great-grandson. Yes. There's still some limestone rock on the top. Oh, nice. That hasn't fully eroded. Man, after all these years. Yeah, so these are the things that have been found over the over the years of exploring these pyramids, right? But what really kind of surprised me was that there's a lot of stuff that is still being found. There's a lot of parts inside of the pyramids that they're like, what is this? Or uh, why is there a door in this passage with some copper handles? What's beyond it? Now, is this because they haven't fully ex- excavated? Yeah. Okay, so they're still doing this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The um, I can't remember his name, but the former head of Egypt's antiquities before the revolution. Um, I can't remember. He's like super like science educator guy. Mm-hmm. They call him Ind- uh, Egypt's Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's like Egypt's Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay. Uh, he could host Cosmos if you wanted to. Gotcha. He um he is he's been walking around lately saying, "Hey, there's plenty of undiscovered stuff in these pyramids. We have a very loose grasp of wow. the structure of them so far." Well, and it's tough to get in there to do the work. Um, I know the permitting process and is uh, rigorous, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 hard. I know this guy we're going to talk about later that has a new theory mm-hmm. on how they were built. He's having a hard time getting in there to prove it. Yeah, but luckily they're starting to use robots more and more oh, to yeah? explore it, and that's starting to yield some some interesting stuff. Huh. Did not know that either. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, well, let's, um, if you're going to build a pyramid, uh, you don't just say, let's get a bunch of rocks and start going. Um, first, like any building, you need to do a survey yep. and excavate the land because uh, they learned pretty early on that your the land that it's on and the foundation is super super duper important. Yeah, that's I think one of the reasons the first one collapsed. Oh yeah, is because they didn't do the foundation right. Yeah, and it's got to be level, and again, just kind of in part how impressive the um, Khufu's pyramid is. What did you say its um its base was? It is a uh, two hundred and thirty meter square base. Yeah, it's level within. 
Less than an inch. Yeah, that's remarkable. So you get the, the vizier, the master builder involved, and they do have some theories on how they did this leveling. Um, one was that they uh, poured water onto the site, mm-hmm. and water is the great leveler, and they would level the, the material above it, above that water line, wait for the water level to drain, I guess, and then just continue removing the material until it was flat. Great idea. Yeah. Yep. And that's like, you know, self-leveling concrete is way more soupy than uh, like regular concrete. Sure. Because it's going to find, if it's watery, it's going to find its own level. Right. All right. Uh, and then another way that they may have done it is, so they found that um, there are post holes at regular intervals of, I think, 10 cubits. And a cubit is the distance from the, your elbow inside your arm mm-hmm. to the tip of your middle finger. Yeah. So every 10 of those, they, there would be a post hole. And they think that possibly they laid out the foundation site as they were excavating into a grid pattern and hung plumb bobs from these lines. Yeah. And that's just like a weight that looks like, um, like a, an elongated brass top. Yeah. And it hangs down and, and where it hangs is the level point. And then you can excavate down to that, that reference point, And then you know everything's level if all of your plumb bobs are touching the same ground. Yeah, and that's still like if you go to build a, a backyard fence yourself, you're mm-hmm. going to use these same techniques today. Right, it's pretty neat. My money's on the water excavation. Yeah, they they uh, we already know that they dug canals from the Nile toward the Giza pyramid sites. Sure, why not just build a little further and flood the area as needed to yeah. excavate? You know, that makes sense. That's that's what mine is. But first, Chuck, they had to figure out because these pyramids are all oriented along. Um, North, south, east, west, right? Yeah, they run parallel to these axes. So, like, they're, they're, I believe they're facing true north. This is pre compass. It was pre north star. Yeah, the north star wasn't even the sky there then. <laughs> yeah. um, instead, they had to follow some of the circumpolar stars. Uh-huh. And they were doing things like measuring shadows. Yeah. To calculate where true north was. And then once they calculated true north, they could use right angles to determine where uh, southeast and west were. That's amazing. And then once they had that, then they had to start doing the planning out the site in a grid and excavating everything down. That's right. Uh, using cubits and um, hands was the other unit of measurement, which is, uh, if you say something so many hands wide, it's the width of your hand uh, with your thumb along the side. Yeah, and they still use that to um, measure horses or to describe yeah. horse height. Yeah, like 20 hands high. Yeah. That's a, that's a decent height. Is that a big horse or a small horse? <laughs> 20 hands? I think that might be like a giant freak of nature horse. Really? I th- yeah, I usually hear like 14 or 16. Oh, okay. Hey, that's off to the Triple Crown winner, right? Yeah, American Pharaoh. Whoa. Which, by the way, Pharaoh is misspelled in his name. Yeah. And they knew it early on, but they were like, well, we're just going to leave it like that. Sure. Um. So Pharaoh. Yeah, pretty neat history. That was pretty great. Did, Did you, you see watch? that race? Yeah, I watched... Um. I did watch that, and you know I'm not into horse racing, but I I knew what was coming on, and I was like, well, it's only a few minutes, yep. So I just don't watch any of the other stuff of the two hour broadcast, yeah. And I just turn it on to hear that call. You know, it's always great hearing a good horse racing call. That thing led, oh the yeah, whole way. Yeah, there was really no doubt. And I love that jockey. Yeah, because he had he had tr- had several attempts, right? At the triple uh-huh. crown, he he raced uh, California Chrome last year. Yeah, that's right. So he had a shot at the triple crown. 
and uh, couldn't pull it out. And this year he did. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, all right. So well, I guess we should talk about how they actually build these things now. You got to get rocks there. That's the first step. Yeah. And some of the rock did come from Giza. Like the rocks, the pyramid structure itself is made largely of limestone. Yeah. And there was limestone quarries around the Giza site. But they also had to get rocks from elsewhere. Yeah, the granite they think came uh, up the river from Aswan. Uh, they have alabaster from Luxor, uh, basalt from the Fayum Depression. Which I didn't see where the basalt was used. I didn't or either. Basalt or however it's pronounced. Basalt. Is it? I don't know. Okay. Um, and of course, you know, they don't have uh, iron at this point, so they're not using iron to cut. They're using copper and stone cutting tools to shape these things. Yeah. But you have to get them there, which is, you know, I think the neatest thing about the pyramids is over the years is trying to figure out how they did it all because they didn't leave a record. Um, right. You know, it's just been this great mystery for uh, architecture and ar- archaeological nerds to try and figure out. Yeah. So the first step is like, all right, well, how did they get all these rocks there to begin with? So, um, again, these rocks were on average about two and a half tons per rock. Yeah, so they didn't just lift them and carry them. No, the Egyptians were familiar with the wheel, but the wheel would have been totally useless in the sand at Giza. Yeah. Um, so they figure, I think the general sentiment of how they moved rocks, especially ones from local quarries at Giza, was um, by sled yeah. and rope. And they had um, maybe 10 men or fewer, if they could, sure. um, pull these uh, two-and-a-half-ton rocks on sleds toward the site. So that's how they would have moved them from the quarry. If they were moving them from, like, Luxor or elsewhere, they would have put them on rafts. And, again, they dug canals from the Nile toward the Giza construction site. I bet people loved being on that duty. Like the raft one? Well, yeah, like just get it on this barge and right. then float it. Sure. And the other guys are like, are you kidding me? I have to pull this thing yeah, exactly. on a sand sled. <laughs> and then there's another way that um, that they think they may have put them on little quarter circle sleds, strapped them around it, uh-huh. and just kind of twisted them like you would twist a beer keg. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, too. I would guess flat sleds. Although, I, why does it have to just be one or the other? Well, that know? was what I was wondering when I was reading this. It could have been a combination of methods. Yeah. Like, these guys are sled masters, so let them do that. Right. These guys have rolled a beer keg or two in their day, sure. so they can try that method. Yeah. Uh, they've also theorized about wooden uh, rollers like logs and things. Makes sense. Makes the sense. The only problem is is um, timber was not a local commodity. Yeah. That, was, that would have been widespread enough to supply this thing, and it would have been very expensive. Well, but, which is another reason, because uh, they have some super weighty mm-hmm. timber on the interior of these pyramids, mm-hmm. and they also have uh, wondered about that. I think it's probably cedar from Lebanon. That's okay. what I kept coming across. Is yeah. The the wood that they were known to have used was from Lebanon, and it was cedar. Lebanese cedar. I bet that's good stuff. Yeah, I bet it was expensive back in the day. <laughs> um, so when it comes to actually building the pyramid itself, you've got... So you've managed to get all the rocks here. Um, you know what? We'll take a break, and we will talk a little bit about some of the competing theories right after this. Okay. Okay. 
Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Sip the sky. Hey there, everybody. Here's some bonus stuff you should know. This time it's about traveling to Orlando for business. Orlando has tons of places to host your conferences and meetings. Dr. Michael Edwards, CEO of Ocean Insight, said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when the day is done, you can kick off each evening at one of 46 Michelin-rated restaurants. What's not to love? So check out Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. All right, you got all your rocks. You're the foreman. You're the, uh, what's it called? The, uh, the vizier. You're the vizier on site. Who, by the way, Khufu's vizier was his brother. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and if you were a vizier, like, you were pretty well respected, and you got your own little step pyramid tomb yourself. Sure. Yeah. So, let's say you're that person. You got your little hard hat on. You've got all these rocks. How do you, what are the theories? Uh, they use like a pulley, they use a crane. Uh, well, there are, a lot of competing theories, and they do involve cranes. They involve ramps, um, and none of them have been proven. So let's talk about like the ramp one, man. They figured out that with a ramp, you you can't have a when you're dealing with two and a half ton stones. And this is from How to Build a Pyramid, which is from uh, I think a 2007 article in Archaeology Magazine. Yeah, Bob Breyer. It's a really good article. It is. It's a great article. Um, but he points out that you really can't have a grade of more than about 8%. So if you're using a straight ramp leading mm-hmm. up to the pyramid site, as this thing gets taller and taller and you eventually hit 146 meters, to maintain just an 8% slope, mm-hmm. you would have to have a mile-long ramp at that point. Yeah. And they said that's not very likely because that would have been just as big of an undertaking as building a pyramid. Yeah, it would have taken about as long to build. And the timber, like you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, a lot of timber, which they didn't have tons of. And they would have built built it up over time because you can't just have a 146-meter ramp to start off with yeah. and then drop the blocks in place below. You would just slowly build up the ramp. But eventually, it would just become too unwieldy to have a mile-long ramp. Yeah, and we're not the first people to question this. I mean, thousands of years ago, um, people, historians were trying to figure it out as well. Herod- Herodotus uh, in 450 BC said that they uh, use machines, but no Didn't one really knows what he meant by machines. Thanks a lot, buddy. Could be a crane. Uh, and then 300 years after that, Deodorus of Sicily said 
the construction was effect, uh, affected by mounds, uh, which would be ramps. So that's why these are the two, the two yeah. longest standing competing theories. The problem is, is these Greeks came along thousands of years after the pyramids had already been built. It's not like they witnessed the construction. Yeah, they were just they were surmised as well. Yeah. Um, so with uh, Herodotus or Herodotus, you know, I don't know. I've seen his name in print so many times, but I don't think I've ever heard it. I'd say Herodotus sounds good. I'll say that. Um, his idea of these machines that have been taken to mean cranes, we know that the Egyptians were familiar with cranes and used cranes, and that you could use cranes to build a substantial portion of the pyramids. Yeah. The problem is, as you got closer and closer to the top, the ledge you were dealing with is, say, about 18 inches, mm-hmm. and you can't support a crane like that. No. So the, uh, they thought potentially that if they did use cranes, they'd use series of small cranes that would just kind of For hand off, like basically a bucket brigade yeah. of cranes handing off one rock after the other. They were like levers, and they were called, uh, they used these, they were called shadoofs. Um, and if you look up shadoof and image it, they're, uh, they would use it to like get water out of the river and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it was basically like just a lever that someone would pull on one end or it would be weighted right. and dip down into the water and then pull up a bunch of stuff with a bucket, I guess. Yeah. A bunch of good Nile River water. Yes. So, like you said, that theory is not very well accepted these days. The crane? Yeah. Well, oh, oh, not for completion, at least. Right, right, right. Yeah. And again, like, why just use one method? If something yeah. makes this part faster and then you have to switch to this other part faster, clearly these people had the smarts to pull off this incredible feat of engineering. Um so I would think that they wouldn't have tunnel vision yeah, and that they would probably be willing to use different techniques. So it's it's possible that the cranes were used to build the base. They'd have pyramid vision. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so with the ramp, so the big long ramp is probably out. Um, they had another theory that, well, maybe it was like um, a ramp that uh, just wound up and around the pyramid. Like, yeah. Like a mountain road is cut into the side of the mountain. Exactly. That sort of makes sense, too. It does. The big problem with that is that the a mound outside of the pyramid covers up the corners mm-hmm. as you're building it. And as you're building it, you really need to be able to measure the corners pretty frequently. Yeah. Because if you don't, then those corners may not come together at a point at top. And Sneferu is going to be very mad. That's right. So that one to me is probably the least likely. The external um, ramps that enco- enclose the uh, mm-hmm. the site. Uh, agreed. Um, and maybe I'm a bandwagoner, but I just read this article that you sent, and so I'm going with Jean-Pierre Houdin's theory that there were ramps, but there were an external ramp that was didn't need to be that long. And then once they got to the point where the grade was too much. Mm-hmm. They used that ramp, cannibalized it, and then had an interior ramp yeah. to finish it off. Right. So um, the thing about an interior ramp is that you would be able to leave the exterior corners exposed. You'd be able to build inside. You'd be able to keep it at a 8% grade tops. Yeah. Um, and you wouldn't have to build this huge, massive public work that was as big as the pyramid itself, like a 146-meter mile-long ramp. Yeah. Uh, it would explain how you would build the whole thing without cranes. Yeah. Because you're just getting closer and closer and closer to the, to the inside, the interior of it as you're building up. Right? Yeah. Um, the only problem is, Chuck, is if there's an interior ramp, 
how would you possibly remove that? You wouldn't. It would be enclosed in the site. So exactly. Obviously, this has been debunked, right? Well, no, it hasn't. Um, he believes, and others have gotten on board, that there is still an interior ramp in there. What? But that was my question. Have they not explored enough of this to find this thing? No. Okay. And actually, there was a 1986 survey by, I think, a French team. Um, and they found some anomaly that they couldn't explain, so they just ignored it, basically. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until 2000 that Jean-Pierre Houdin's father, Henri Houdin, who is an engineer himself, mm-hmm. just happened to be chatting with one of these guys from the 1986 survey. And um, the guy said, like, yeah, there's this anomaly. And he, he described it to him. And basically what he described as far as the Udans are concerned is this internal ramp. Yeah. They're like, what is it? Ah, it's an anomaly. It's like a big, looks like a big well-worn ramp. Right. Seven degree <laughs> slope. Who cares? But supposedly the, the, way, the way that they first discovered this was that a fox popped out of a undiscovered crevice or previously undiscovered crevice toward the top of the um, pyramid or halfway up. Yeah. And they're like, how did this desert fox get up there? He probably did not climb all this way up. They think he probably went into another undiscovered hole toward the bottom and then used the ramp and came out the top. Oh. And that is further evidence that there's a ramp in there. Yeah, there is another little uh, piece of evidence that they point to. Um, there was a notch, a corner notch from the ramp uh, used for turning the blocks and... It is exactly where, two-thirds of the way up on the northeast corner, right where Houdin predicted there would be one if you were to use this kind of ramp. He's like, there should be a notch right there, and there was a notch. That, yeah, I think where the f- inside, right? Yeah. Okay. Pretty neat. Uh, and then, finally, they used um, something called micro-gravimetry. Uh, it's a, it's a, I don't even understand how it works, do you? No. It's a surveying method. Yeah. <laughs> It's magic. Right. Um, and basically what it does is it enables them to measure density. Yeah. So like if if you're measuring a part of the pyramid and it's just solid rock, it's going to be very dense. If you find a part of the pyramid that's kind of this open tunnel, like a ramp, mm-hmm. it's going to be less dense. So I think that's where that's from that 1986 survey where they turned up the anomaly that they ignored. Oh, that. using that. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That's the impression I have. Yeah. One other thing that um, was a very long-standing myth, thanks to our friends the Greeks, who just made stuff up apparently 2,000 years after the fact, yeah. was that um, it took about 100,000 slaves mm-hmm. to build the pyramids at Giza. Yeah, mistreated um, slaves. Forced into labor, and it took 100,000 of them. Probably not true. No, supposedly, thanks to uh, Harvard archaeologist Mark Lehner, he conducted a 2002 survey and he found evidence to quite the contrary. Yeah, and then later on in 2010, um, just a few years ago, they found tombs of workers discovered. Um, and they basically said, like, the way that they were buried and entombed, like, slaves would never have been honored in this way. Right. Uh, Plus, there's and, lots of evidence they were really well fed. Yeah, they said that um, 21 cows and 23 sheep per day um, was what these people were eating. So they're eating and a lot of a fish, lot of meat. too. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of fish, fish. A lot of bread. They found evidence of, like, basically industrial-scale bakeries to bake bread for the workers. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. And there was evidence of 
basically permanent occupation there. Yeah. That said that there are probably between 2,000 and 4,000 workers on hand at any time, but that maybe 30,000 total over the, like, the 20 years constructed the pyramid. Yeah, I saw where they had worked out somewhere between 10 and 30,000 that worked in three month shifts. Uh, and they said, you know, while they weren't slaves, they said it was tough stuff. Like there was evidence of arthritis and bad backs and sure. all the things inherent in pyramid building. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, it was easy going, but it makes sense that, you know, you, if you want these things built, you have to have a strong workforce, which means you have to take care of them and feed them. Right. And, you know? Yeah. Pay them. Pay them. Pay them and fish. Pay me. Yeah. That's what they said. Yep. At the end of every shift. That's right. So you got anything go. else? No, man. That's Egyptian pyramids. Pretty neat. Uh, yeah, if you want to know more about pyramids, type that word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this uh, Australian uh, radio show. I was d- just talking about us. Did you see this? No. So there's a show, apparently the biggest radio show in Sydney, called The Kyle and Jackie O Show. Okay. Did you see this or hear it? No, I haven't been to... I flew through Sydney once for like 10 minutes well, no, and I didn't have a chance to listen to the radio. <laughs> I mean, did you see the email? No, I didn't. Okay. That's the second time you made me admit that. Sorry. Hey, guys. I've been listening uh, to you for years, and I adore you both. I also listen to the Kyle and Jackie O Show, which is the biggest radio show in Sydney. Uh, <laughs> that was a good Australian. <laughs> thanks. I love them, too. I have to say, though, I'm quite disappointed in them because the uh, female co-host, Jackie, found out about your podcast and took the piss on the air. And I think that's Australian for gave us a hard time. Uh-huh. Um, gave us the business. Gave us the business and then proceeded to share the information you gave in a podcast. Uh, if you want to hear it, it's from the June 18th episode. Um, and it is a podcast as well, about 12 minutes in. It's actually about nine minutes in. And they talk about us for about six minutes. What do they say? Well, um, <laughs> here's, here's, and I hope Jackie O is listening. You seem awesome, Jackie O, because she seems, she sort of made fun of us, you know, that we're nerds and stuff like that, uh-huh. and that we just ramble. But she, you could tell she was getting into the show because she even said, I'm starting to get addicted. Uh-huh. And she starts reciting facts from the show. It's too late for you, Jackie O. This Kyle guy is the equivalent of one of our morning radio show hosts here uh, in the States. Does he have like one of those bike horns that he squeaks a lot? He like- might as well. He's, he's like asking about the show and she's like, well, you know, like, how color works. And he's like, how color works? Like, what do you mean? He said, the pencil's yellow. I want to buy a yellow pencil. Podcast over. Oh, yeah. That was like, clearly this guy is not on our, uh, uh, team. Well, I, I don't want to. <laughs> he's not on our team, Chuck. Okay. I don't want to insult the guy. But he insulted us. He certainly didn't seem to get it. That, we, that there could be more to color than, eh, hey, it's a yellow pencil. Right. That was a pretty good, uh, Oh man, what was the guy? What was the band manager from Fly of the Concord's name? Mary. Yeah, that's a good Murray. <laughs> yeah, I love that show. Kyle equals Murray. So uh, Kyle's just doesn't get it. Um, he he said it sounded awful. They played a bit of it. Oh yeah, and talked about it a lot. And I don't she, remember licensing that to them. Well, and at the end, she she basically said, you know, what I'll do is keep listening, and then what they say in forty five minutes, I can just break down for you guys in three or four minutes of bullet points. Okay. I'm pretty sure that Kyle and Jackie O just started an international <laughs> flame war with us. Uh, so to continue the um, email. Uh, oh, yeah. That. They clearly don't get it, guys. So let me apologize on behalf of your other Aussie fans. 
Uh, you guys have added so much to the quality of my life, and I credit you both for getting me through periods of intense anxiety where I could not function without having you both in my head distracting me from my own thoughts. I can guarantee you Kyle has never been told that. No. Uh, I still adore you now that I'm better and uh, can safely press pause sometimes without even hyperventilating. Uh, thank you for all you do. Please never stop doing it. And that is Laura. Thank you, Laura. And uh, she said, P.S., I went on a date with a guy last week who looked exactly like Chuck. And I have to admit, that is the main reason I agreed to go. Did he sound like Chuck? Wink, wink, three X's. Jeez. Is that hugs or kisses? Uh, That is up for debate, but I say X's are kisses. And O's are hugs. <laughs> yeah. I asked her how the date went. She was like, well, I'm not going on a date number two. Oh, I got you. So I was like, well, they can't all be me. Right. <laughs> we they had a good laugh. They can't all be Chuck. We need a t-shirt that says that. Yeah. They but, can't all be Chuck. Uh, hats off to you, Jackie O, because you seem to get it. Um, Clearly. Milady. Oh, wait, Jackie O. I thought you were talking about... No, Laura. Laura. Laura definitely gets it. Right. Jackie O seems to get it. She's starting to get it. Kyle does not get it. <laughs> I don't think Kyle ever will, man. And I'm okay with that. Me too. Uh, if you want to tell us about how somebody in your locality is talking smack about us or not getting us or whatever, or you just want to say hi, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold, pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.